0: Welcome to Road to Desert Rain. Today I sit down with Marsha Morrison and we explore her, uh, her childhood and early life and how she eventually ended up uh, meeting David Morrison, uh, starting a church with him, and eventually being one of the co founders of Desert Rain Community. Once again, thank you to Diego from Recording Moving Studios. He does all the editing and sound engineering on these episodes. Thank you to David and Danny West for that intro music you hear in the background. If you're uh, interested in learning more about Desert Rain Community in general, check out theruined.com. Uh, if you're interested in hearing more episodes from Desert Rain Community Radio, check out drcrpod.com. Uh, please tell a friend. It's the best way for, uh, for us to get out there and spread the word. Uh, we appreciate you. And let's get into it hello and welcome to our new series called road to desert rain uh, the idea behind this series is we'll sit down with each each member current a uh, past member, uh, maybe someone that just hung out here for for a few months or a year or something like that, and and visit their their perspective on Desert Rain, but more importantly, their their road to Desert Rain, how they ended up here. And uh, today, you uh, have heard of her from our uh, conversations with David Morrison. I'm here with Marsha Morrison.
1: Hello, Dorian.
0: How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing all right. Are
0: you a little nervous? <laughs> a little
1: bit. <laughs> I have I've never done a podcast before, so
0: I can I'm, uh I can I can sense it. So <laughs> we'll uh we'll have some fun, we'll see where it goes. Um, but yeah, the I, I guess the first place I would like to start off with is um your religious life or uh spiritual life growing up as a young kid. Um did you did your family go to church? What what kind of kind of how did that look like in the first whatever 12 years of of Marcia's life
1: When I was uh I was born in El Paso, Texas and I'm the oldest of seven children Oh wow, okay. And so um in our early days, um my parents went to church regularly on Sunday mornings. There was a period of time that my dad didn't go and I'm not sure what the reasoning behind that is, but mm-hmm. Uh, my mom, I remember when we were really little, she would just say, pray for your dad to, to want to go <laughs> to, to be, church. To be saved." Yeah, and so come with she, us. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and he eventually did. And so uh, we went to um, a church called First Church of the Nazarene, which was in um, El Paso. Okay. And um, my earliest memories, I remember Sunday school and and the whole deal. And I had a good time as a little kid because I was fairly social when I was younger. Okay. So, and um and then as we got older and as my parents had more kids uh you know church attendance was kind of spotty depending it be- on <laughs> it
0: became more of an ordeal once you have seven <laughs> right? seven little ones in my, my poor to mom herd.
1: yeah i remember her during easter time trying to get us all ready at the same time on
0: well, easter time they usually, we i i mean at least in my family we dressed up more mm-hmm. for easter church so
1: yeah that's how it was and she had ties on my brothers and they were little, so they were all pulling at it. <laughs> pulling their shirts out. They weren't tucked in anymore. And <laughs> I'm sure it was a circus for
0: her. Uh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> uh, what what um denomination of church was it?
1: It was a Nazarene church.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So right there in the name.
1: Yeah. Okay. And um, and then roundabouts when I was ten or eleven years old, we started going to Jesus Chapel East,
0: mm. which was on the
1: east side. Um, that was Pastor Fred Walker. Um, and then during that time, I vaguely remember this, but you know, because I was still kind of young. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember them sending Dale and Sharon Walker out. I remember their send off to the northeast side of town for Jesus Chapel, northeast. and um, my parents were excited because we lived in the northeast side of so town it was closer so it was going to be a lot closer, yeah. and with all the kids and everything, it was going to be easier for them. and they were really casual. Um, Compared to the Nazarene Church, you had to be dressed up a little more okay. um, at, during that time. I'm sure it's relaxed nowadays, but and
0: what what would that time frame have been?
1: Like 70s. Okay, 70s, okay. early 80s.
0: And, and just as uh, so, Fred Walker is that Dale's father. Yes. Okay. We've talked about Dale on the podcast, David and I have. Oh.
1: Okay. So I didn't
0: I didn't realize uh, his father also had a church or something. Yeah.
1: He, um, in fact, Ken Golickson from the Vineyard. Uh, had helped plant that Jesus Chapel East.
0: Okay, so they, um, so the Walkers have always been in the vineyard.
1: Not directly. Okay. Um, okay. He he was involved in planting that church, but it wasn't a vineyard. I see. Um, okay. So it, and in fact, it turned into four Jesus Chapels at one time that okay. were in El Paso. There's, is that what it is now? No, there's only one. There's okay. Jesus Chapel West. Okay. So.
0: Because I, I think I think I've driven by Jesus Treble West. That's why. Yeah. It's,
1: I asked, it, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. So anyway, so they they had sent those guys out mm-hmm. to plant the church in the Northeast, and so we went. We were like one of the first families that attended um, the church, and and then from there, um, I'm trying to remember how old I was exactly. I was probably 15 ish. They started going to Abundant Living Faith Center, mm. and um, me and, and your parents
0: started going. Yeah, they yeah. started
1: going, and I went there with them for for a while. Um, my brother and I, though, we, we because we had friends and you mm-hmm. know we were teenagers. Yeah, so, you were older at that point. So we missed, you know, being at, at Jesus Chapel Northeast. So we would go oh, like to okay. the Friday night. Uh, services that they were having yeah. at the time. And we would go, you know, go to the youth group things. And, you know, we, we tried to stay in touch with our friends.
0: And if know. I remember correctly, that was the church. Dale Walker's church was the one David went to that someone from high school had invited him to. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just making, connecting all the dots there. And so during this time, I'm, I know you're bouncing around the churches a little bit. Did you, did you feel connected to the the church services was it more connected to the your peers like was there any uh important connection during those those early stages of your life
1: in the early years i had you know i had a, some friends and i went to a boys and girls retreat thing that mm-hmm. that was significant for me at the time um and it was, it was a little bit hard because my mom, since I was the oldest kid, mm-hmm. for some reason my mom thought I was mature enough mm-hmm. to be in the adult service because they had a children's service at the time. Oh, I see. That was um, simultaneous with the mm-hmm. adult. And and I would get bumped out because, you know, of course, all my <laughs> friends are in you the- You see all your peers <laughs> yeah. leaving and you're like, wait a second. I like, <laughs> like yeah, them. I don't get to hang out with my friends, but- um, and there were some things I remember when I was young about Christianity that um, that kind of either scared me or bothered me. Um,
0: what were those?
1: Um, one of them was, I remember, uh, this was in Sunday school. It was a, um, the teacher was, encouraging us to reach out to our neighbors you know like Mm, they were talking about evangelism and things like that of course and and then that was when I started noticing that they kind of laid it heavy on you that you know it would be your fault that your neighbor goes to hell if you didn't reach out
0: to them yeah so do you know do you remember how old
1: you were I was about eight the first time that hit me you know and
0: they're like little Johnny across the street gonna burn internally if <laughs> right. we don't go save him
1: so wow. they so one of the challenges they gave us was reach out to a neighbor um you know preferably a next door neighbor so and I remember being because at that time because I'm more of a introvert okay um I'm not a total introvert, no. but but I'm I kind of lean that way. I mean, that's where I get my energy from is when I get to spend some time alone. Okay, um, but you know, I I can hang out with people with no yeah. problem too. Um,
0: well, you're very you're it's, you seemingly are more outgoing when you're in a group of people you know well. Yeah. When I from the interactions I've noticed and seen, it's it's like you come alive during that time if it's like a safe group, so to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah. A familiar,
0: I, I you know. <laughs> Say who knows what the word "safe" means, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, so I know
1: what you mean. <laughs> so they
0: send you out. They're like, "All right, go save."
1: Yeah, go, go save, save your, your neighbors. Neighbor. <laughs> Don't
0: come back without any saved souls.
1: Yeah. So, so it, yeah. So I was petrified because of course I'm. Yeah, I was like, "How do you bring this up?" You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I remember trying. There was this this uh, lady that lived next door to us, and she, her kids were grown. They were, like, in their early 20s. Okay. So I'm guessing she's maybe 40, 50s, yeah. you know, in that age range. And I remember trying to work up the nerve to talk to her That's <laughs> that amazing. Way. That's so.
0: And, and how vivid is that memory still?
1: It's pretty vivid. I because, bet. Because
0: you were scared.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, because I felt like that was a pretty big burden to put, you know, on a kid, you know, that
0: well, it's your
1: fault that they yeah. go to hell. If she dies tonight, you know, it's... You know, that's how that's I interpreted it, I Yeah, guess. and that's exactly I, you know, so.
0: that. – that is that is a huge burden. You know what I mean? They, regardless, that's how you interpret it. But to put that at someone that's eight years old too. You know, it's one thing to talk to a 16-year-old who's a little bit more
1: yeah. knowing what's
0: going around, you know, but an eight-year-old, like –
1: well, and I didn't, you know, I guess you don't have a whole lot of abstract thoughts. So right. your thinking is pretty concrete, pretty black and white. And so. it's coming
0: from a like authority figure. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm guessing this, this, uh, it was Sunday school, right? Right. Yeah. So did you ever, did you work up the nerve and talk to her?
1: I remember talking to her, but I never brought up the okay. whole the Jesus Spiel that we were supposed to give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I at least talked to her. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, I took a step. Um, and I do remember it right around that age, um, time, probably nine, ten, um, when I would I remember, you know, because I'm in the adult church, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm hearing the the pastor talking about God's elect and and so in,
0: so that terminology when you say that to me I don't know what that means.
1: It's this is how I interpreted it as okay. a kid. It's it's a and I can't remember exactly which verse it is but they they're talking about how, you know, God's elect, they're the people that God has specifically chosen before the earth was created. Um you know, these were the people that you know, so in my 9 10-year-old mind it came across to me as you know, um, well, if you're one of God's elect, you don't have to worry about it, you know, basically. Mm. But if you're not one of God's elect, and so that bothered me because I was like, what if I'm not one of God's elect?
0: So can you? Work so I'm not going to go to heaven. <laughs> can you work your way into becoming God's elect? In this, I I realize we're like super right. abstract here, and we're looking at it from a child, you know, from right from a child's your, perspective. Yeah, but but just because I don't, I, I've never heard that terminology before. So can you like pray your way? Um, or is it like all predetermined?
1: It was predetermined. That's, and that's, that's how it came across to me. That's terrifying. Like, like it was already decided. It was like God already knew. You know what I mean?
0: You've already punched and, your ticket to heaven or hell with, before you even get here. So. Right.
1: right. So so that kind of, you know, for whatever reason, that yeah, stuck out to me as a kid. Because yeah. then I thought, well, shoot, you know, how, how am I going to know that I'm one of the elect? Mm. And if I'm not one of the elect, should I just go crazy? You yeah, know what I mean? Because do it doesn't matter stuff. anyway, you know, right. kind of thing. So, yeah. So so those kind of things were, and I'm not dissing, you know, church and Sunday school and no, things and like I, that.
0: Yeah, but. and I think one of the things we, David and I have sort of established on here is that we're we're just here for for conversation of things right you know we're not we're not trying to say one things better than the other. well in certain cases we are but for the most part we're just exploring these ideas and so right um,
1: yeah and so those those are like two examples of things that stuck out to me as a as a young child that felt like a black and white mm-hmm. or black or white situation mm-hmm. an either or situation
0: which um, seems seems pretty common in a lot of churches where they put out this sort of black and white ideas around uh Christianity. Um so uh from there your uh, your parents have started going to another church you're still going to no- chap I'm sorry
1: what? Jesus Chapel Northeast Jesus
0: Chapel Northeast I'm sorry sorry about that Dale, if, I, if you're listening. Uh, and so this is about your teenage years. And so mm-hmm. do you still, are you still feeling connected? Are you still having questions around Christianity?
1: Yeah, I was feeling connected. Um, you know, I was pretty, at that time, mm-hmm. you know, I was pretty faithful with you know, as much as I could, you know, going to church and going um, to the youth group. Mm-hmm. So I would go with my parents to the Abundantly Faith Center services, and but I would go with my brother to um, the youth group services and, and the Friday night. Uh, Dale had a Friday night service at the time, mm-hmm. and that was when uh, David came around. Was um, during that time okay. I met him when I was seventeen. So he had started coming to the Friday night services and he was starting to come to the youth group as well. So, um, so during that time, um, I remember struggling with, um, because abundantly the Abundant Lane faith center is like a, they were like a name it, claim it kind of church, like okay. a prosperity, um, Charles Neiman, um, was and still is the pastor, I believe, um, and so my parents were drawn to that because our family was so large, and mm. you know we had we had run into some financial issues. Okay, and then my dad was forced into early retirement because a company he he worked for El Paso Natural Gas, and then another company had taken over it oh. and essentially eliminated his position and said, well, you can either be laid off or you can go into he i guess he had enough whatever the points are oh okay right, to go right. into early retirement so yeah. so he opted for that and was looking for jobs here and there you know after mm-hmm. after that um to try to get us all back on our feet so so they were drawn to that church because of the, the you know prosperity yeah and and it wasn't so much that they were after getting rich mm-hmm. they just kind of wanted to be able to take care of his kids basically of
0: um yeah and and so I, I imagine during that time uh it probably just within the household it was probably kind of stressful um uh, i can remember there was a time i was a teenager i think where my parents were going through some financial struggles and i can remember just feeling like i didn't know it at the time but like looking back just the tension in the house was a very an odd thing to witness as a early teen
1: yeah, and it had gotten to the point. Um, my dad was struggling with finding a job because uh, he was willing to to pretty much do anything. Okay. Because you know, he had you know a lot of mouths to feed. So, um, but a lot of people turned him down because they felt like he was overqualified. Like they would have to pay oh, him beyond right. what he was willing to. You know, he was just willing to take anything and, until he could find. You know, just yeah. You know whatever he could find. Of course. And my mom tried to work during that time as well. It was really hard for her because she had scoliosis. Mm. Um, she had a curvature in her back. Mm-hmm. Um, that it wasn't visible, but right. but if you were to see her X-ray, you would see her. Yeah. Her Back was pretty crooked and. And it probably. And it caused a lot of, uh, you know, issues with her. Like she would work really hard all day and then she would be literally in bed the next day because she was in so much pain from yeah. from her back, you know, having to do a lot of physical stuff. So she worked for a short period of time in a school cafeteria and she yeah. also worked at, as a waitress for a little bit. And,
0: Which are not you no know, jobs not, that are not easy on the back. <laughs>
1: right. They're not back friendly jobs. And so that, that was really hard on her. Uh, yeah. Um, and my and i just remember my dad cuz i was old enough to know what was going on mm-hmm, right uh, and i just remember him you know i could tell it was weighing on him you mm-hmm. know that he he didn't want my mom to have to work mm-hmm. and he didn't want you know he wanted to take care of us and so um so that was the draw to that to that church um so so during that time, I was conflicted because um, the theology that I had grown up with, and then what was going on with um, Abundantly Faith Center's theology was kind of conflicting in me. I mean, it probably so, didn't with everybody, but. Yeah, yeah.
0: So could you give an example of, of just some of the conflicts you noticed? Because I think this is an important topic that depending on what church you were, you were to show up, even today, on a mm-hmm. Sunday, right? You can get a totally different story well, yeah. of what the gospel and I mean, even I, I mean, I just think about my time here at Desert Rain, you know, and interacting with you and David and your guys outlook on the gospel. So I don't. could you give some examples of like conflicting theologies or, or maybe just um, general ways, general things that stuck out to you that kind of set that conflict in motion?
1: Yeah, one of the things was um, I was attending um, the school that Jesus Chapel had at the time. Um, I was maybe a sophomore, freshman, sophomore. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had this Bible class that I took. It was an Old Testament class. And so at the time, like when my parents first started going there, I was really embracing the same theology Mm -hmm. as well. Um, so I was embracing that theology but I was keeping my relationships that I had. Yeah, your you friendships. Know, my, my teenage yeah. friends. Um so
0: as a teenager that's yeah, that's like the most important huge. thing. <laughs> at least it was for me at 15 or what, you know, whatever. So okay, so you're yeah. trying to embrace the abundant living. Right.
1: So so there was a particular topic it was on uh Job. Okay. And um so at the time the the you know they hit Job pretty heavily, saying that that the the bad things that happened to him in that book, you know how he lost his children, he lost, you know everything. Basically, he you know that he his servants were coming up to him and saying, "Oh my God, these the lightning killed your sheep, and oh my God, you know just and then the house collapsed and your children have all died, you know just all these horrible things were happening." The
0: word to him. it's the if you've never read the book of Job, <laughs> just for uh, for sake. Uh, entertainment's the wrong word, I guess, but it's quite the story. So go read, yeah. if, you, if you got an extra 20 minutes, go sit down and, and read the book of Job. So, so you're yeah, studying so, this, this particular book.
1: Right. So at the beginning of the book, um, just to, you know, give our listeners a, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. an idea of how it starts off, you know, it's, it starts off with the God meeting with his angels and, uh, Satan shows up and, um, is saying and god's like hey look at my guy job here you know he's he's a, he, an awesome dude he loves me he serves me he you know and he was satan was like well of course you know you've given him everything of course he's, he's going to like you but man you strike this guy down and he'll curse you to your face mm-hmm. and so so it was like a, a, you know, a challenge between God and they're Satan.
0: They're betting. <laughs> yeah. It's a parlor game. <laughs> the thing has devolved into a. They're at the, the horse track races. <laughs> right. God and Satan are hanging out at the track.
1: It's like, right.
0: oh, I got a bet for you.
1: <laughs> right. So this poor guy. Man. So, um, all right. So he tells him, you can do anything you want to him. Just don't take his life. Okay. So so he wipes all of his riches out. He wipes his children out, and um, he gets this horrible disease that has boils mm-hmm. all over his body, and and his he's sitting outside the city in the in the trash heap basically. And his he, wife is he, like,
0: he's been discarded by society. <laughs> yeah, he's lost everything. Lost
1: everything, and even his wife was like, man, why don't you just curse God and die? I mean, you're, and you know. I know sometimes people look at that as being harsh, but she was probably like, Oh my God, just curse him so that you can die. Cause you're suffering, mm-hmm. you know, so much. I well, understand. she
0: was probably exhausted too. Cause yeah. she lost her kids, you know, she lost her <laughs> she standing lost in everything. society. Yeah. She's, she's going through this right with him.
1: Right. So anyways, so, So the premise of what Abundant Living Faith Center at the time was teaching was that Job, that those things happened to Job because of one statement he made when, after everything happened was, it is, you know, everything, it is just as I feared. Everything that happened to me is just what I feared. Mm -hmm. And so because he made that statement, they said that that took away the hedge of protection that was around Job and allowed Satan to enter in and and do all this stuff to him.
0: Wow! And and just for the sake of the so, listeners that haven't, Job never curses God. Right. He stays faithful through this whole through this whole ordeal, freaking parlor bet <laughs> silliness that's going on. Um. So bunny. So they're basically saying.
1: That he let Satan in because he had this fear
0: he brought it on yeah, his fear he, brought it yeah. on himself,
1: and because he could he said it, you know what I mean? he said uh-huh. and and so speaking it brought, you know, brought it on him. Mm-hmm. so um, but then, like the the class I was taking for the Old Testament, you know, they didn't take that approach. They just, they took more of the Job is a totally faithful guy no matter mm. what happened. You okay. know, Um, They didn't take the fear, you know, that – they didn't take the he brought it on himself. Right. Approach. They didn't blame
0: Job. Right. It's kind of yeah. like victim blaming, right? Like someone gets shot and it's like, well, what were they doing on the street at 2 a.m.? It's like, well, no, that doesn't matter. <laughs> they got shot. Like they got hurt. Right. You know, and so, okay. So yeah. they're victim blaming Job here.
1: Right. Unfortunately. <laughs> so – But
0: the uh, class you were taking was not – Taking that perspective. Was not
1: taking that perspective. Okay. So, so the conflict that was, I, I had a test that I had to take for that, um, for that uh, they we would take periodic tests on mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. the different books of the Bible as we covered them. Okay. So I took a test on Job and I answered, I answered it according to what I was being taught at the faith center. So didn't match what the answers they were looking for. I took a hard stance on it and really got in a lot of trouble.
0: So you, at that point, you took the stance that Job had brought it on himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and then it was just a thing where my teachers were like, well, just answer the way that you're supposed to answer. You know, Why are you making this a big deal? <laughs> because I'm 16 and I'm... A teenager and that's what we do <laughs> kind of but, thing yeah but I also kind of think
0: it's like when you believe it so in the conversations I've had with you as an adult when you believe in something you believe in something you know like it it like you'll speak up and say well you know and and um take a stance in the things that you believe you know which is an admirable quality but I guess at 16 <laughs>
1: they're like yeah. You know, just
0: bend the rules and you're
1: like, no, that's not who I am. Yeah. So I got I got in trouble because I was taking a stand for this thing. And um to the point where I actually got uh because the school had corporal punishment, oh, I actually got Jesus. a swap for this. <laughs> so
0: Yeah, talk and, about and conflict. <laughs> you're getting a physical <laughs> punishment for taking a stand on right. these two different outlooks.
1: Right. And so, you know, and as a kid, you know, I'm a, I'm a kid still, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I don't – at the time, you know, I'm my thinking was still, you know, an either-or based mm-hmm. concrete kind of thinking. So, you know, I didn't realize at the time that you can have different, you know, viewpoints on different aspects mm-hmm. of the Bible. You don't – and you don't necessarily have to agree completely 100% with another person, you know, it's – you know that's i mean you know looking back in history at at rabbis and mm-hmm. you know the the Jewish faith they would purposely have debates mm-hmm. over different aspects of of the scriptures Absolutely. and so you know so it's it's not a an either or thing it's not a concrete so thing so
0: what what do you think and we might be jumping ahead but that's fine what do you what happened in your life to where you kind of were able to get that more mature perspective of like it's okay to have differing theologies can you trace it back to a thing or a couple things
1: well, I think that was probably when David and I planted the church mm, okay and the different people that we would meet and um because even as a teenager even when David and I were doing the youth group you know with there were different people that we had met that were attending other churches. But we still, I mean, I I can only speak for myself. I still had that thinking of, well, you know, they need to come to our church because we're the, you know. We're the
0: correct one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: um, You know, so at some point they need to break through. You know, and I feel horrible that I ever thought that, you know. But,
0: (laughs) but well, actually, no, I think that's a good. Do you think what you were told when you were eight years old of like, hey, if you don't convert little John, he's going to burn in hell because of you. Do you think that kind of stuck with you into your late teenage years and early, early theologies of like, well, if you don't come to our church, you're, you might end up burning in hell.
1: Yeah, I, I think that probably was an wow. undercurrent. Yeah. I think that was there.
0: Interesting. So, anyway, so so as you're planning the church and you're meeting new people,
1: mm-hmm. and I'm realizing that that you know um, that's not necessarily true. You okay. know that. There isn't a church that has it all together. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we all like to think that we have, you know, even just in life, you know, as a person, you Mm -hmm. know, well, you know, politically or spiritually or whatever, you know, we have that tendency to be like, well, the group that I'm with, associated (laughs) with, we're the winners, we're the ones that have it right.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't think, yeah, and it's, I mean, not not even just church, but the, you know, you go to any religion. Mm-hmm. And they're going to tell you why they're right.
1: Right. <laughs> and the other ones are wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, um, so yeah, when we planted the church and we started meeting other people and we were, you know, having f- friends who were also pastors of other churches and, you know, so of course mm-hmm. you're not going to be like, well, <laughs> you have to ditch your church and come to ours. you, <laughs> you got to <know>. stop
0: preaching. <laughs> right? right. You have I to got- come
1: preach at our church. <laughs> Well you got to listen
0: first. You have to sit in the pews for a few few months and then you can maybe preach at our church. <laughs> you got to learn right. what we're we're teaching.
1: <laughs> right. So um so that started, you know, started the the path on and we started um becoming more associated with uh some of the other um churches that were exploring other things. Mm-hmm. Um Like, I I remember, well, part of the, a significant part of the path to Desert Rain, so to speak, Mm -hmm. was um, we came to a place where, like, David had started saying, you know, he started saying, you know, we're at a crossroads. I feel like, you know, we can either become a community church or we can become A consumer church, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. And this was like for us personally, we weren't trying to put judgment on other churches and their approach to things. But he started a, 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 and this took a full year. He, He spent a full year having conversations with different people in an open forum. Anybody was welcome to come and have you know participate in the discussions.
0: So, anyone in the community, or was it kind of focused on? It was focused
1: on the church. Okay, but if anybody in the community would have come, you know, we would have been open to it. Okay. So, um, you know, and what we were trying to figure out was, you know, what would it look like if we became a community church, a community-oriented church, versus the consumer Mm -hmm. church, and and. You know, we were trying to 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 have a shift in our thinking, mm-hmm. um, because we just knew the standard um, formula for what what a church is. You know, you have you have your service, and mm-hmm. then you have you know you have something for the kids, and then you have you know
0: Wednesday night Bible yeah, study. Yeah, you and have all these different yeah.
1: things. Um, but we were, and we weren't gonna like. Not have any of those, but we were right. But we, we were exploring what you know, what can we do that's deeper than that? I guess, what
0: okay. else can church look like, right? Okay,
1: and so, um, so we were exploring that, trying to figure out what that you know, why are we feeling this draw mm-hmm. to a, a different expression, so to speak. And, um, and it, people were quite hostile to it. The interesting, more we got into it, um,
0: why do you think that is?
1: Um, I don't know. I was, I was actually surprised by it Mm, initially because one of the things we did early on was we were like, well, let's have communion every week. Okay. You know, um, I mean, this whole thing is centered around, (laughs) you know, Jesus, Mm -hmm. his body and blood. And, you know, so we should celebrate that every week. We should, we should do that together every week. And people freaked out on us uh over that you know and
0: and was that surprising to you
1: that was surprising to me they were they were kind of accusing us of well you guys are, are trying to become catholic mm.
0: um,
1: because they associated having communion mm-hmm. at at a service every service yeah at, as being like a, a you know a thing with catholicism so um in my mind i was like you know, I grew up Protestant, right? So in my mind, I was just like, "Well, yeah, that makes sense." You know, if this is what our faith is based around, why, why aren't we?
0: And when you say that makes sense, you mean this idea of celebrating the Eucharist every week,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not the not the accusation of, "Oh, you guys are becoming Catholic."
1: Right. Right. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Well, and I and
0: I think David and I have touched on this, but if not, touched on it on the podcast. For those that don't know the region of El Paso and Las Cruces, um, this this sort of area, it's kind of I don't know, I don't know if it's fifty fifty. You you might you might know better for El Paso, but it's like you're either Catholic or you're something else mm-hmm. in the church world, you know. And I can, I grew up Catholic, you know, and it, it the area is almost culturally Catholic. Mm-hmm. I know that's not a real thing, but um, but yeah, I, I guess I didn't realize if you're outside the Catholic circle. It's almost looked down upon even to be accused of being Catholic, like you're saying.
1: Right. And I'm um, going back to when I was young, um, you know, I had a lot of, obviously, I had a lot of Catholic friends mm-hmm. growing up. Um, in fact, I had, when I was in kindergarten, I had a friend who went to catechism every Saturday. Oh, uh, okay. And because I wanted to play with my friend yeah. on Saturdays, you know, it was like, well, can I go to catechism yeah. too? And, you know, my mom... You know, tried to to tell me, well, it's you know she's going there because of the church that she belongs to, and you know the church that you belong to, you know, we go on Sunday to Sunday school, and um but she neither of my parents ever ever put down Catholicism to us, okay, kids. okay. They didn't take that stance, so they did you go
0: would you go to catechism with her or no?
1: No, okay, no. Okay. Probably because my mom had my parents had a lot of kids and that was a big commitment to ask them to drive me to mm, <laughs> right, okay. you know, a function course, like that. You yeah. know. Um it was probably a lot for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. but but they didn't make me feel like, oh you know Those are the bad people those are the bad something. people, you know, she's you know, only bad people go to those, you know, yeah. go to catechism or whatever. They never they never made Catholicism look like the Whore of Babylon, like a lot of mm-hmm. people look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which was something I appreciated about my parents yeah. was that they they did their best to not let us kids think that whatever group we were with was better than everybody mm-hmm. else. Like, I remember when I was really little, you know, I was like, oh, we're in the Nazarene church and Jesus was a Nazarene. So we're Ah, We're the winners. (laughs) I was like, no, (laughs) that's not how it works.
0: (laughs) But it goes back to what we said a few minutes ago, that just our human brain wants to be part of the the cool group or the in-group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So So, uh, going back to this time where you guys are kind of in conversation around community versus... Um consumerism within your church direction was there anything else besides the communion that kind of struck you as uh, you weren't expecting the reaction that maybe you guys got,
1: yeah, another one that that struck me was all right, so we were we were making plans to come out here um we really wanted to do the community in on the east side of El Paso.
0: So at this point you guys have uh, yeah. already decided to do something.
1: Yeah. We, when we had decided to move to Chaparral because okay. New Mexico was more open to mm-hmm. what we wanted to do. Right. Um, uh, um, Texas uh, had a law um, to prevent colonias. I mean, the law has good intentions, Right. but it would have kept us from being able to have a, a, a neighborhood, so to speak, of mm-hmm. people living together. So, um New Mexico was like yeah that would be fine just follow our building codes and mm-hmm. and what have you so um so we we started making plans to come out here to New Mexico and um so when we were telling everybody that um you know here's what here's what we're going to do we're going to transition um and it was interesting because we thought well you know some of these guys are are reacting pretty you know upset at us the for, people that for, had been
0: regularly attending yeah, that your were, church, right? And it was in the northeast, right?
1: Oh, we were on the east side okay, at okay, this time, okay. yeah. So David had initially thought, well, maybe we can have Greg and Diana Steele, uh, ha- you know, do the church, mm, and then we mm. would go and and do the community, and we would, you know, be uh interacting with each right, other, you right, know, right? Um, it would be a connected, yeah, type it would be of situation, a, yeah, yeah. So, but Greg and Deanna really wanted to to do what we were doing. They mm-hmm. they had bought into the vision and and really felt like that 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 was something they wanted to do as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we just thought, well, all right, well we'll just move the ch- we'll just move the church. Yeah. And you know, in our minds, we were like, well, people commute for work all the time, and some people commute some distance for a church as well if they really like it. You mm-hmm. know, if they really if feel connected connected to it. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, you know, it's you know. 20, 30 minutes didn't seem like a huge deal, but that was something that people were complaining about. Mm. But I think it covered, I think that was like the issue that wasn't the issue. <laughs> right. That was the
0: convenient yeah. thing to point at. That's true.
1: Right. But it's not
0: really what's <laughs> going on.
1: So, so the thing that that caught me off guard, not off guard, but surprised me was, um, so we're 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 talking with some people who were you know expressing how upset they were with us and and so David was like you know what I I I did these community meetings for a full year you know mm. you you know I said I was completely open um, we would have you know anything you would have wanted to bring up we would have been willing to discuss to look at to you know and he he was like why why you know. Why didn't you mm-hmm. go? You know, some of them didn't go, and of course, and what have you? And so this one lady, he goes, why? Why are you getting upset with me now? Why mm-hmm. didn't you? You know, and this one lady goes, well, because I didn't think you'd really do it. <laughs> and he was like, I've been talking about this for a year, not just at those community meetings, but he had to, he'd been talking about it at church.
0: It wasn't like he just sort of mentioned <laughs> it at church offhandedly, like, oh yeah, we're having a meeting. <laughs> we're meeting on Thursday nights. Come join us. Right. It was part of the ongoing dialogue on Sunday mornings. Yeah, he was presenting
1: it to everybody like, you know what, what, you know, what does it look like if we, you know, pursued this? What would it look like, you know, you know, to take a different, you know, approach Mm -hmm. to these things? And and so, and I guess the thing that surprised me about it was, it, it was then that I realized that people, generally speaking, you know they don't. They don't really want you to mess with their stuff. You know mm. what I mean? It's like um,
0: scared of change.
1: Yeah, like when she, the the one lady admitted that you know she didn't think he would really do anything with it. It it, you know, it made me think back to previous um, things that I've heard. You know, throughout mm-hmm. the years at church, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I think people are used to hearing. You know the pastor's trying to challenge them, or the pastor's, you know, mm. but but they see it as oh he's just talking, and you know, yeah, and that's a good point, but but nothing ever really happens with it sometimes, you know.
0: So I mean, we're talking about sort of an extreme example of moving a church from one physical right. location to right. another, but in your example you just gave, gave where the the pastor's challenging the congregation, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, the topic might be. Um, so it's almost like the congregation and we're, uh, we're speaking in broad terms. So right, right. <laughs> don't, broad. don't worry, folks. We, under- <laughs> we understand this is a very broad, but I think it is an important point in the sense of we get comfortable as human beings showing up at Sunday at 10 AM, seeing Jeff from, you know, that you don't see during the week and seeing, uh, you know, and, you know, and you chat with them and, Ask them how the kids are, and then you go sit down for an hour and listen. And and uh, sure, the pastor has some good ideas, but you know, it's just he's just up there talking. And you jump in your car and just go back out to your day. You know, it's it, there's this idea of getting—I don't know if too comfortable is the right word—but it just becomes part of your routine to show yeah. you up on Sunday. So
1: it's a routine, yeah. So, but when. But when she said that, that helped. it actually helped me. I mean, it was a surprise, mm. but it actually helped me because I didn't understand people's strong reactions to mm-hmm. things like the Eucharist or things like, you know, we're going to move the church. Um, churches move all the time, mm-hmm. especially, you know, because we were a mobile church. Right. Uh, right. We were meeting at a school. So well, it's not like we were giving up a building or...
0: Yeah, that the congregation we, helped yeah, pay for or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And the vineyard is pretty. I mean, they encompass a bunch of different place buildings, so to speak. Right. You, you know, so it's a, it it seems like. Uh, did you just refer to it as a mobile church? Is well, the,
1: mobile in the sense that we had to set up and tear down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, right, and that, so that's yeah. what I mean by mobile. Right, it and is, so
0: just moving even physical spaces. Yeah, it's you're not. It's not like you're tearing down the building so you can, right? <laughs> totally leave the area or something. You know, you're not moving to, to Odessa or something like that, right?
1: And we didn't want to leave anybody behind. You of know, course. we we were like, okay, of course, we realized that not everybody can come live out here, but we still want to. You know, but everything was still open and welcome, mm-hmm. welcoming for everybody who wanted to be a part. So we were, you know, so it was it was a very eye-opening experience as to you know how how people think and how mm. you know how they get you know there's i think david's dad is the one who said it where it was like you don't mess with people's religion or their politics you know but mm. <laughs> um, well the politics staying well, now in
0: 2021 is especially I, true
1: well i know when david uh left the catholic church so to speak that Mm. was something that his parents were upset about they were like you don't you don't mess with religion you don't mess you know with you know where you're going to end up Mm -hmm. right yeah (laughs) so to speak of course
0: one i think that goes back to sort of where we started you know uh when you were a child with them saying like hey man you got to go save people (laughs) you don't want to stay you know you don't want it to be your fault that they go to yeah. You know where. Um, yeah. If, if you're hearing that as a six year old, by the time you're an adult, it's kind of for some people, some people rebel against that, but it's right, kind right. of ingrained in your your DNA. And so. Um, so, yeah. So one one aspect I would I would like to um, sort of cover with you, and this might be a good transition Um situation from going to the church to coming out here at desert rain, but I, I've covered on this podcast. Um, I've been an observer, I've worked at churches, so I've been observers of pastors hmm. and there's this really a uh, sacred role. I would call it sacred. Who knows what other people would call it? That doesn't ever get mentioned. And it's the pastor's wife, <laughs> <laughs> She it seems as though she's the one keeping everything together and not letting it come apart. Um and so as as a pastor's wife I hope that's okay I can use that label. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh what so having planted a church with David, you know, and being part of that process and sort of seeing I mean I'm sure you experienced a lot of stress during that time and seeing the stress on him. Um what were some of the things uh, that the average person might not have noticed going on in the background that that you got to notice as a pastor's wife of, and I'm talking about like in the background, things that you experienced. I'm not even talking about David, but like things that you you had to endure during that time of of leaving, quote unquote, leaving the East side and coming out here to to chaparral. I don't know if there's sort of any, anything that stuck out to you during that time or insights Mm -hmm. that you gathered, um, of the physical move during that time.
1: Yeah. Like when we started the church, um, there's, and other pastors' wives would probably understand Mm -hmm. this. There's, there's this thing, these, I guess you could call it a set of expectations that people generally have on a pastor's wife you know they tend to want her to be um you know someone who does the children's ministry who mm. does the women's ministry who does you know just certain things and expectations they have almost like
0: unwritten rules right of being a pastor's wife
1: right and there were a couple times that people got frustrated uh because um i'm not a huge fan of ladies' groups mm. in general. Now, I will go to ladies' groups and I'll mm-hmm. hang out with with ladies. Um, I do prefer mixed groups, mm-hmm. you know, not just people of a certain age range or people of a, you know. I mean, there's a time and place for those things. Of course. Um, but generally speaking, it wasn't a passion of mine. Okay. Um, so, and I was totally fine with someone else wanting to step up and I would, you and know, I, and I would back them. You yeah, know? you would support uh, I, them. I would support them. And But there was a lady who called David one Sunday, I think it was after church, and just tore into him oh. because I wasn't fulfilling these. She had a whole list of things Expectations. that she felt like I wasn't doing. Well, she's a pastor's wife. She needs to be doing yada, 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 yada. And so that kind of put a bad taste in my mouth as far okay. as you know this whole expectations on a pastor's wife and plus i've seen it you know cuz david and i were were a part of um we weren't paid staff but we were a part of the staff um at at um vineyard northeast mm-hmm. before you know prior to to going to the east side so we we you know we saw you know how people were with you know pastors and pastors wives so
0: and what were some of the things you observed specifically of the, the expectations of the pastor's wife. I mean anything different than you've already sort right. of laid out.
1: Um yeah, it was just um she had to it's it feels like from what I've seen, either right. the either the pastor's wife is a co pastor So she's got a very strong personality and, you know, so she's up there with him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She's Mm -hmm. – or you have the submissive uh, wife who is – Leading by example, I guess, so to speak, of mm. what what a, what a woman should be in their... <laughs>
0: a, a quote unquote biblical woman. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> And, you know they have you know a bunch of kids and they lead the children's ministry and they lead the women's ministry and they and not that you know if if someone has a passion for those things,
0: right? Some people are called to some that. Some
1: people are really good at it, yeah. and and I, and you know I th- I'm like yeah, more power to you, mm-hmm. you know. Um,
0: but it wasn't the mold that you fell into. Right.
1: Yeah. I didn't fit in that mold very well. Um, so I was more of a person who, you know what, if like when, like with David, a lot of people don't see what I do mm-hmm. for him. M- most people don't know, you know, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> but I really felt like my role for David was, you know, to support him in every way, which direction I could. Yeah. Um, so... When we were what I called a mobile church, I guess it was not really a mobile church. It was we were. Right. Well, that's setting, why I had you clarify.
0: Yes. Setting up and made.
1: tearing down at different places. Yeah. You know, when we, you know, I took care of of getting that organized, getting, you know, getting things set up. Do, you know, um, he was working full time. So I would.
0: Because he was a teacher still at that point, yes, right? Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: So I would handle any, you know, if anybody needed anything during the day, Mm. um, you know, I would take care of that, you know.
0: What would be an example of
1: that? Well, like if somebody called and they they needed some help, like we would periodically get people calling who needed um, help with, uh, you know, they didn't have any food to feed their kids Mm. or they didn't have diapers or or someone needed help with the utility bill. You know, we had a budget specifically for yeah, right. that, and so most, yeah, most churches. Yeah, do. so I would, you know, either you know, I would make arrangements with them. I would either take it to them myself, mm-hmm. or or you know, somehow get get the help to them that they needed. Um, David couldn't do that during the day, and then of course, you know, whenever we met with people, we always did it together, mm-hmm. um, and.
0: I mean, you still you do. Know, so, yeah, you guys we still, still do that. Meet, yeah, meet couples and people and
1: yeah, whoever you know. Yeah. We we tend we want to do it together. Yeah. So it's um, but yeah, so a lot of stuff, just because it it wasn't like outright obvious things. You know, mm-hmm. the support that I gave. It to wasn't
0: stuff it. in the on the spotlight. Right. You weren't up there singing and dancing on Sunday morning. You were doing the practical things. Needing to be done Monday through Saturday. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) And doing, you know, and I felt like my role was to do everything I could to help him be, you know, as successful as possible as far as what his vision was, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So... You know, I felt like that—that that was my role. And even though it didn't mean that I was the best ladies group leader, or you didn't, yeah, you, know, you
0: weren't doing the children's group every right. single Sunday, right. And so,
1: like when Greg and Deanna joined us, I mean, they really helped us out a lot with some of those areas, you know, that um, that weren't my passion, but they mm. they covered that. You know, like mm-hmm. Deanna uh, stepped up. You know, the kids, okay. the kids stuff, and yeah. she did a great job. She got it all organized, and she got you know. They they helped us, you know, because that wasn't something that I mean we knew that that the people in the congregation you know wanted that they wanted mm-hmm. to uh, right you know which I which I understand because it's hard when you're sitting in a service mm-hmm. and your kid is like being a distraction and you feel like your kid is the worst you know right of
0: course <laughs> every little noise and it's right. just highlighted right there on your. On your kid, kid yeah.
1: having a bad day. Like right. even Anna had bad days. <laughs> that's <laughs> so well, that's what kids do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and for any this is sort of a side note, but any, you know, we've mentioned Greg and Deanna today and and in multiple um podcasts, but uh the next two road to desert rains are gonna be uh Greg Steele and Deanna Steele. Awesome. So yeah, so they'll they'll be able to share their their insight on that. And so um I, I I guess we're 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 coming up towards the end but one of the things I would I would love to hear uh from your perspective is um cuz we've talked about how uh um you uh the Morrisons and the Steels lived together when Desert Rain first started uh building of the the straw bale uh chapel that's still being well i guess not in the last year because of covid but <laughs> up until that point you know is where the service you know the meetings were and stuff like that and um so i guess maybe that first year of, of that uh living out here transition sort, sort of what was that uh your perspective and insight from that because it, it from david's description it seemed like it was pretty pretty hectic you know just a lot of new newness i guess would be a good way to put it
1: yeah, it was. Um, we jokingly call it. You know, it was like we wanted to live in community, so we totally got <laughs> baptized into it. So <laughs> you didn't put your
0: little toe in. You, right? You no, dove we, in
1: the pool. Yeah, we lived in. There was one trailer on the property at yep. the time, and uh, we lived with the Steels in that trailer, and you know, figured it out from there. It and was, there was there was two kids, Anna. Um, and well, let's had, see. They had. They had three. Oh, Steels they had, had three. three. Okay. Um, and then Daniel was born not too long after. Okay. And then, um, and then we had Anna. Mm-hmm. And so you know, and of course, every family has a different, you know, philosophy of child rearing mm-hmm. and and just different ways of dealing with their kids um, when they act up or or what have you. So you know, and even though we're really great friends, you know, we still had differing. Mm-hmm. You know, perspectives on on how to deal with that stuff. So that was that was challenging, yeah. you know, um, because the kids were young. So um might have been a little different if they were teenagers, I'm not sure. Yeah. But right. but um but they were young, youngins. So and then it was funny because uh Greg's parents, I think, misunderstood kind of what we were doing, mm. and they thought that they had to you know, like send birthday presents and birthday cards to Anna. Like oh, they were like we were like one family. I see, I see, right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> and bless their hearts. I mean, I think I mean, you know, Greg's mom is like the sweetest lady yeah, she's in amazing. the world. Yeah. I mean, she's an awesome woman. I've got to meet her and a couple times. She was so sweet, you know, trying trying to understand what we were doing yeah. and, and she would send Anna presents and little things like that. And so
0: That's really cool.
1: Yeah. And um, but yeah, it was you know but if we had to do it all again i mean i would i mean these guys have been through with us through thick and thin Mm -hmm. um they've been you know yeah sometimes we we get mad at each other or what have you but Mm -hmm. you know that's normal in a relationship yeah you know it's to be expected yeah
0: deep meaningful relationship
1: yeah so but those guys have always had our backs and we have their backs and Mm -hmm. so um but yeah so our relationship was challenged and it and then you know we we grew from that, um, learned how to live with each other in very close quarters, but then we're you know once the family separated you know there was a little bit of relief there.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and when she says separated, she just means started living in we, two yeah, different. Yeah, we had a different. Uh, roo- under two different roofs. Right, but still we were, in we're the still community. right next to each yeah. other,
1: but but we had you know, you know like your own space, so yeah. to speak. And it was funny because. Uh, um, bill and kirsten helm mm-hmm. the first summer they came out um we were still living with greg and indiana we were building in the middle of building the the straw bale and uh they slept in the living room and in the midst of all oh, this chaos the, in yeah
0: the, in the <laughs> double y yeah oh, so they spent a summer with us that. yeah they spent
1: the, the summer with us and <laughs> they had a young you know um addy she's um she's a little bit younger than Anna, okay, like ten month, nine or ten months younger, and so yeah. So, and sometimes I tease Kirsten about it. I was like, I don't know how you guys did that. I mean, we That's at amazing. least had our room with a right, door, right? Right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because how <laughs> many? So they were here a month. So what? Or for the or summer? Or for the
1: summer? Yeah. So they
0: were out there three months. Yeah, sleeping on the couch and
1: everything. So, yeah. So it was a pullout couch in the living room. I mean, the Steele's kids. Tended to get up early. Okay. And so Anna was, was uh, she liked to sleep in. Uh-huh. So we, we kind of got lucky on that.
0: <laughs> no, it wasn't our kid. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't our but, kid jumping but, on your bed. In the but uh, room. the
1: Steel kids were early birds. And it was funny, you know, because Bill and Kirsten wanted to sleep in, but the kids would get yeah. up. And it was just, it was crazy. But I look back on it with fondness because it was, you know, well, and that's was, just an amazing yeah. story.
0: You weren't joking, by it. I didn't. I don't think I ever knew that thing about Kirsten and uh, yeah. Bill. Yeah, they,
1: yeah, they they were right smack in the middle of it with us. So, <laughs> so,
0: so, so speaking of that, so if if you if someone was you know came up to you and and was like, hey, we're gonna do this thing, and and they laid out something similar to what you guys have have cultivated here at Desert Rain, what what do you think? You the first uh maybe not the most important bit of advice but you know what what kind of uh advice would you give them having been through the the baptism of community as you as you put it
1: we usually tell people i mean this is i mean and I'm saying we because a lot of times David and I when we talk with people you know we're together and mm-hmm. they ask us these questions but usually we tend to tell them you know um it's it's not what you think <laughs>
0: It's not what you romanticize. <laughs> right.
1: It's, it's not easy. Um, you know, the people that, you know, if you're going to live with people, you know, you love them to death, but mm. it's not easy living with people. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, even just your own spouse, you know, there's yeah. quirks and things that, you know, you can irritate each other with, you know, and, you know, that extends out to when you're trying to live with um, different families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and David and I used to joke around and say, "Man, we we know now why monasteries required them to be celibate, because <laughs> when you bring kids and <laughs> right. dogs and you know when you bring all of that into the mix, <laughs> marriage
0: dynamics, yeah, yeah,
1: it really does make a huge difference, That's so <laughs> and and it's it just increases the challenge level. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not not doable, but it well, just, obviously, yeah, you but guys it ranges have proven the, that, yeah, but we. We tell them, yeah, you know, put your make sure you're wearing your seatbelt cuz it's a wild ride. So
0: make sure make sure you you really want to do this. <laughs>
1: <Right. laughs>
0: <laughs> cuz you might want to pull the ripcord every now and then. Um we did it. We awesome. we we hit an hour. Um j- just to close out, I I want to thank you. Um you were the first brave one here at Desert Rain to to sit down with me um since uh since David and I had started this experiment and um the one thing I would like to close with is um, I'm very grateful for the the work you've uh, not only put in here. Well, no, that you put in here at Desert Rain. Um, you know, we, we touched on a little bit, you know, this, this sort of behind the scenes pastor wife. Um, but having lived here for three years, I've been able to see the things you do, quote unquote, behind the scenes to keep... To keep the glue of the community, and I'm I'm extremely grateful for it. And uh, you know, an easy example is is we've been able to meet uh, as a community on Sundays and Wednesday nights uh, via Zoom, um, and that's all because of you. You arrange that and set it up and and make sure that it it flows uh, uh, seemingly effortlessly, right? And so I just I'm grateful for for that work you've put into to facilitate that during the weird the weird COVID years. So. Thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for uh, taking the chance and sitting down with me and seeing where this went. So, <laughs> uh, you feel good?
1: Yeah, feels good.
0: Yeah, I feel good. So, uh, thank you, everyone, for for tuning in. Uh, if you want to hear other episodes, remember to check out drcrpod. uh.com. Uh, if you want, if you're interested in anything uh, Marsha has talked about today about Desert Rain Community in general. Um, the ruined.com is where you can find uh, that information and um, is it on facebook is it the ruined as well yes okay and we're uh, the ruined uh, is on facebook for the desert rain community so uh, appreciate y'all for tuning in and uh, we'll talk to you next week